we're talking about the great reboot still the great reboot um oh i know be praying for the staff this coming friday once a year we we uh get out of town for a day relax worship together pray together the staff does and then we vision cast for the next year so every all the the pastoral staff over their departments have been spending the last few weeks in prayer as to what god may have them do next year and we put it all together we come together we discuss it pray about it laugh about it uh and then we put it all into a calendar which helps formulate uh the vision and direction of what god will have our fellowship do next year in all the various areas and uh and also kind of helps drive what the budget needs to be <laughs> like oh if this is what we need to do this is what we speculate so it's coming up on that that time of year as well so it's a it's a very pivotal meeting and it's a blessed meeting so just you know keep us all in prayer uh going into this friday so the great reboot we're talking about rebooting our minds we rebooting our brains to stop thinking in terms of the way the world thinks the way society thinks the way the enemy would have you think and to start thinking the way that the word of god would have you think and that's when real transformation takes place. Don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what the good and acceptable will of God is for your life. And, and uh, that's really part of walking in faith, is learning to sometimes you have to acknowledge what you see and feel, but you have to sit there and say, but the word of God says this, and what I'm seeing and feeling is contrary to the word of God. I choose to believe and trust the word of God, sometimes over what I see and what I feel. That's faith, and it takes sometimes rebooting. So the last few weeks, uh, if you've not been here, that's what we've been talking about. We talked about one way to, re just practical ways to reboot. One way is uh, the prayer of petition. It's a written, a petition is a written request. So we talked about how powerful it is to write your prayer. And, and it's one way to get thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, heaven is inside. Jesus said heaven is within you. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's how Paul described it. The Holy Spirit is in you. So all the goodness that God is doing in you, we got to get it out here into the earthly area. So one way, write it down. And then last week we talked about the prayer of confession. You speak it out. You need to confess the word of God. Uh, I had to do it this week with some things, you know, some things cropped up this week. I said, nope, 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 nope. This is what the word of God has to say about it. I said it last week. If you're having, if you're having a hundred thoughts contrary to the word of God, speak the word of God out 101 times, you know, before you go to bed. In other words, every time you have a thought that's contrary to the word of God, catch it, speak it out. Speak out the word. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. So sometimes in order to get faith, you know, you're not going to have access to a man or woman preaching to you. Sometimes you've got to learn how to preach to yourself, right? Sometimes I have to preach to myself all day. Dave, we're not going to do this. The word of God says this. Get yourself lined up. Come on. And, uh, it works. It's a reboot. You have to reboot your brain because sometimes your brain gets stuck in a loop. When your computer gets stuck in a loop, what do you do? You reboot. It wakes up. You have to reboot because it woke up dumb sometimes. Sometimes we wake up dumb, <laughs> right? We got to fight the good fight of faith. That's the one fight the New Testament talks about. Fight the good fight of faith. 
It's because sometimes you wake up and you may be full of faith and an hour later something happens and you're doubting. <laughs> you're doubting the Lord. You're doubting your decisions. You're doubting your life, questioning everything. It's a fight. It is a fight, but it's a good fight. The Bible says it calls it a good fight. The reason why it's a good fight is because you'll win. Any fight you get to fight that you're guaranteed to win, I'd say that's a good fight. You put me in the ring, put me in the octagon with a trained MMA fighter, that ain't a good fight. Because I'm about to get whooped. Right? But you say, I got to, you know, I got to fight some little kid. Well, that's a pretty good fight. I think I, got, I, I like my chances on that, right? <laughs> then again, these days, I don't know. Some of these kids are in karate and all that other stuff. They probably whoop me too. I don't know. So today, we're going to talk about another way to reboot, and that's to get, out, get your mind into this particular mindset. And we're going to call it no lack, a mindset of no lack. Here's our uh, key verses from the last few weeks, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Paul says, for though we walk or we live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. That word strongholds is pertaining to uh, mental, uh, a, a mental pattern, thought patterns. You know, you know, we, we talk about sometimes all it takes is for something to push certain buttons and you go into a certain line of thinking and we're all, we're all guilty of it. You know, one thing can happen and all of a sudden it just, your thoughts just start piling up on each other and you go into the circular loop at, well, what is it? That's a stronghold. That's a pattern. And what Paul is saying is even though we got to live in this earthly realm, our weapons aren't earthly. We're not walking around with a bunch of swords and guns and wait, you know, we're going to attack the enemy like that. Really, the, the battle takes place in your mind. And he said, so our weapons, which is the weapon of the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, the Bible says, it is powerful because it can actually pull down mental thought patterns, chronic thinking, because really that's what messes us up in life. Say, so, well, what messed us up, you know, what messed me up is years ago when I went through this and I lost my job or, you know, the other year when I went through a divorce or the other year when, when my best friend stabbed me in the back. No, actually that didn't mess you up. That was what it was. What messed you up was all the thoughts that you had about that. That's what messes you up. And yet the word of God is strong enough, Paul is saying, to pull down those thoughts to change those thoughts, to give you some new thinking patterns. And that's how you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, according to the word of God. Inasmuch, he says, this is how you do it. Inasmuch as we refute arguments, man, you ever argue with yourself in your head? Sometimes you argue and what you're arguing is not the word of God. <laughs> we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead, who leads? We lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, which is the Messiah, the anointed one. So we have weapons that are strong enough to change our minds, our thought patterns, to change the way we think. 
And we do this by leading all these rogue thoughts that don't line up with the word of God. We take them captive. We say, oh, hang on. You're not going to think that way. I choose to think this according to the word of God, right? Now, who's responsible for doing that? Jesus, I need you. I need you to take these thoughts. Paul says that we do it. Do you have, are you, are you dealing with some stinking thinking this week? Well, guess who gets to take those thoughts captive? You do. And you do it, you've got the authority to do it. You've got the, you've got the weapon to do it. What is it? It's the word of God. What does the word of God have to say? I had to do it this week. I got a text that should be published into a novel. It was that long. Like I got a long text this week and from someone. And I read it. And for a few minutes, I was, you ever done that? You ever just choked your phone, right? Because that person's not in front of you, so you can't choke them, right? So you just, and then, so what did I do? Say, oh, was it wrong that I, I, well, I got angry for a moment because I'm human. You're going to get angry. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be ridiculous and say, oh, don't ever get angry. Well, God gave you that emotion. You're going to get angry. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. So in other words, you can get angry. Something can make you mad or you can choose to be mad about it, but then don't do the wrong thing about it. So I walked into my office at home, choking my phone and sat down and my safe harbor is my wife. I sat down and I said, Erica, I need to talk about something. <laughs> and I took about five minutes and I voiced my feelings about it. She didn't have to say anything. She's the greatest therapist in the world. She just looks at me. <laughs> and I voiced my opinion about it. I voiced my frustration about this text. And then I said, you know what? There, I said it. I said it in the safety of our little bubble here. And you know what? God's still God. And I choose to, I choose to walk with the word of God. I choose to believe what God says about this situation. And, and uh, it was a, of a personal matter, a personal nature. I said, you know what? Nope, nope, nope. God's still victorious. I know what God told me about this. And I choose to believe what he told me about this. And yeah, he's going to take care of this. And that was it. Well, what did I do? I took the word of God and I, I took captive a thought. So now, am I perfect at it? No. Because there are days I let those thoughts run a little bit too ragged. But I'm trying to learn to reboot. So, so today... We're talking about no lack, this one way to reboot. So remember, this has been our declaration, kingdom thinking. This is what God gives you the right. When you walk with Christ, he that the son is set free is free indeed. So I want you to read this with me. My brain is my brain and I can choose to not think or feel any way I do not want to. I had to do that over that text, right? <laughs> I had to go. I don't want to waste my time being angry about this. I've expressed myself. My wife gave me safe harbor to express myself and I'm done. So I am choosing to move on. And yeah, I had a great day after that. So, uh, and, and I had that freedom because of the kingdom of God. Now let's talk about this. Our society, this is a big word in our society. Gain, gain, gain is not a bad thing to gain things, to prosper, to, to receive more. It's not necessarily bad, 
the problem is that becomes the focus of everything about us. So our, our social and economic construct is built on a need for more. Gain becomes the primary objective and override, an overriding force in our life. When gain becomes priority one, we easily fall into a mindset of lack, right? And if you think about it, that's how we are. It's just, I, I got to get a better job. I need to make more money. I need, I need more family. I need this. I need that. Marriages fall apart because I need a better spouse. I need this. I need that. Uh, we bigger house, bigger neighborhood, uh, more, uh, uh, more fame, you know, those who are super involved in social media. I need more likes. I need more followers. I need this and more and more and more. I need more. Well, what that does, it means that you don't have enough, which means you are lacking, which is not what the kingdom of God says. In the kingdom of God, there is no lack. Does God lack anything? Anyone here? Have, have anything, any knowledge of what God is lacking? So if I have been crucified with Christ and I am now buried in Christ Jesus, does Christ have any lack? So my existence is in Christ Jesus, which means I exist in a place of no lack, right? I've been accused. Well, first of all, let's, uh, let's go into this. Mark 8, 36, here's the problem with this gain mindset. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? This is the Amplified. A lot of versions say forfeit his soul. The word soul in the Greek is suke, which is where we get psyche from, psychiatric, uh, psychotic, or that which pertains to the mind. So what good would it do for you to get everything you ever wanted, but in doing so, you lost your mind. You lost your ability to reason and process and your will. You become enslaved to this whole concept of I need more, I need more, I don't have enough. I need this, I need that. More, 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 more. And it's, a, it's really a, a trap and it drives everything. It drives crime. Why do people steal? Because they think they don't have enough. They want more. Why do people cheat on their spouse? Because they think it's going to be better somewhere out there that they don't have enough right where they're at. Why are people dishonest in business? Because they need more. They got to get ahead. Where they're at now isn't good enough. I've got to progress. I've, I've got to proceed further, right? It, it's really, it really becomes, if, if you think about original sin, God said, don't eat of this tree, these two trees. And then the serpent came and said, he doesn't want you to eat of those trees because he knows if you eat of it, you're going to be like him. Well, one chapter before it says that they were already made in his image. They were already like him. So really original sin, they wound up believing a lie. So, well, original sin was disobedience. Yeah, that's part of it. But part of it was they believed a lie and it was I am not enough. I need to eat that so I can be like God. When God already said, I created you just like me, right? So, so it really ties into original sin. Now, I get accused of being a, every now and then someone will say, you sound like a prosperity preacher. And I emphatically say this, I am absolutely a prosperity preacher. 
It's just that my definition of prosperity may not line up with some of these other preachers out there that says, hey, if you'll, if you'll give $1,000 in the offering today, God's going to give you $10,000. Well, maybe that's God's business. <laughs> or he may say, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm going to take care of you or whatever. You know, God's God. Uh, it does, you know, having faith in God, does that mean that everybody's going to be millionaires? Nope. You know, you may have faith in God and you may have $5 in your bank account for a week. I don't know. But I will say this, when you understand that in the kingdom of God, you are in a place of no lack, having faith in God lets you know that you're already a gazillionaire. No matter how much you have in the bank, it has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with possessions. Matter of fact, prosperity from what I understand in the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, prosperity is not measured by how much one has. Rather, it is measured by how much one does not need. So think about it. What all we have is this moment. And now this moment. And now this moment. And now this moment. Because the first moment I talked about is already in the past. It doesn't exist. Tomorrow is not promised to us, the Bible says. You don't even have tomorrow. All you have is right now. Right now, where you're sitting what do you need? Well, next week I got to pay more. We're not to next week yet. Next week is not your right now. Right now, where you are sitting, where I am standing, what do you need? Nothing. We have everything we need for this moment, which means you are wealthy beyond anything you understand. It has nothing to do with bank accounts and cars and houses or anything like that. And when next week becomes your moment, when the mortgage is due, we're going to find out in Scripture, you're going to have everything you need if you're walking in faith and obedience. You know, next week when you have to have a meeting, you're going to have everything you need for that meeting. Next week when that project is due, you will have everything you need if you walk in faith, right? So let's look at this. Psalm 23 and 1. The crown jewel of the Psalms, right? I love how the Amplified words it. The Lord is my shepherd. That means he feeds me, he guides me, he shields me. Normally we say, I shall not want. The Amplified just rewords it slightly. It means the same thing. I shall not lack. Why? Why am I not going to lack? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Well, matter of fact, I love wording it this way. In the Latin, what's the Latin word for shepherd? Pastor. <laughs> The Lord is my pastor. And because he's my pastor, I'm not going to want. I, I don't have it. I don't lag anything. Now, that's a pastor. So who's your pastor? They say, well, Dave, I thought you were the No, I'm not the pastor. Our pastoral team, we're not the pastor. We were co-laborers. The Bible says we were co-laborers with Christ Jesus. Who's, who's our pastor? The Lord. Christ, the good shepherd. Man, if he's your pastor, you're in a good church. So if anyone says, well, I left, if any of y'all want to leave uh, our fellowship, go to another fellowship, say, well, because I don't like the pastor. <laughs> I hope you're not talking about me, because he, I want him to be the pastor. I just help him. Now, if you say, well, I don't like that assistant pastor that God's got up there on stage, okay, well, that's a different story, <laughs> Right? <laughs> But because the Lord is my shepherd, 
I'm not going to lack. Someone speak that out over yourself this week. Say, Lord, you're my pastor. I don't lack for anything this week. Philippians 4.19, and my God will liberally supply, which means fill to the full, your every need. Which need? Every need, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Lord, I need X amount of money in order to pay this bill. See, we get this concept in our mind that we got to, you know, I need this amount of money. Well, the Lord may say, look, I'm going to take care of that bill. If you're faithful to me, I'll make sure, you know. Now, sometimes, sometimes we, we're stupid with our money or we're stupid with our responsibilities. And then we're like, God, the devil's attacking me. I don't even have. The devil's like, I didn't do that. <laughs> like, you messed that up all on yourself, you know. Uh, but if you walk faithfully with him, he said, man, I'm going to, I will meet every single need. And he'll meet it in ways you have according to his riches. His riches are not like our riches. He'll take care of needs in some really creative ways. Uh, sometimes ways you never even thought of. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, and God will generously provide how much? All you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Isn't that wonderful? If God blesses you, it's not only just to meet your need, but if he's going to bless you, it's, all, it's to take care of you, but it's so that you can have enough faith to turn around and take care of somebody else who's in need. Isn't that awesome? A few years ago when you guys in this neighborhood blessed me and helped me kind of reboot my life. And y'all know the story. I, man, I moved into my townhouse on a Thursday. By Sunday, I had a fully furnished townhouse, man. Just people showing up with all kinds of stuff. I got blessed so much, I had to stash part of it in the garage. I didn't have enough room in my townhouse to set up everything. That's how much God blessed me through everyone. Well, what did he do? He blessed me to meet my need, but he blessed me enough that over the next year, when I found out someone needed this or that, hey, I got that in my garage. Come on by. Let's get it. We'll load it up. And I was able to bless others for a solid year off of the blessing I got. That's how God meets our needs. He's not just going to meet your need where you can scrimp by at times. He wants to bless you enough to meet your need, but bless you so that you can turn around and be a blessing. I love how God works. Amen. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. And God is able to make all grace. Uh, uh, let me, all right, that was the NLT. We're going to read the same one out of the Amplified. It kind of brings out some other stuff. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, meaning Possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Isn't that awesome? When you learn to live in a mindset, when you wake up tomorrow and say, thank you, Lord, for this day, I don't lack a thing. And if I meet a challenge today, I know you have provision for me to make it through that challenge. That that challenge is just there to exercise my faith. That's a beautiful, like, I don't care. You speak that over yourself if you got five bucks in the bank or if you got five million in the bank. It doesn't matter. You're in his economy. You're in his kingdom. Now, I, I want to show you this. When you learn to live in the world of no lack, to understand that in Christ, I don't lack a thing. I have everything I need for every moment of the day. If two hours from now I face something crazy, 
I will have everything I need for that moment. God is not going to abandon me. He promised me he will supply every need, every need, according to his riches and glory. Not only will it help, it, it will help even within your marriage I talked about. You remember I said that that's one of the reasons why there's infidelity and all this mess in marriages is because people live in a mindset of gain. I need more. I need better. This is not enough. It's not enough. But when you understand, I don't lack anything. It can bring peace between you and your wife. It can bring peace between you and your children. Uh, check out the scripture that Solomon, it's kind of the flip side. But whoever commits, this is Proverbs 6.32, whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks heart and understanding, moral principle and prudence. He, do, he who does it destroys, he, he, do, he who does it is destroying his own life. If you understand that you don't lack a thing, I can, I can wake up in the morning and understand, I don't lack anything. So I can look at my wife and not demand that she full, like, I need you to complete me, woman. Well, she doesn't have the ability to complete me because she's human just like me. My completion and my sense of no lack is in him. He's my all in all. So I can take that silly responsibility off of her and just enjoy her for who she is. And I, I can understand that if I truly believe that God sent her to me, then therefore I don't lack everything I need in a wife, I can find right in her. I don't have to go looking out, wondering eyes. Why? Because God has provided everything I need right here in my own house. And so if I were to be a knucklehead enough to go try to attempt it, then that means that I lack, I lack heart and understanding. Well, in Christ Jesus, that is impossible. I cannot lack if I am walking in him. So therefore, I don't even have to reason with all that stuff. I can be free to keep my vows and to enjoy my woman. Amen? That's some good preaching. I don't care who you are. I'm going to amen myself on that. Amen, dude. <laughs> We're going to, uh, maybe we'll dive into that with next year's marriage conference. Man, the Lord's already been talking to me this weekend even about next year's marriage conference. I'm excited already about it. So I'll, we'll, we'll get into it next year. Uh, so, so what does it look like to live a life of no lack? Well, this is the mindset. Uh, I love how Paul words this in Philippians 4.12. He said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I, this is the secret, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. My strength doesn't come from what I have or don't have. My strength doesn't come if I live in a mansion or if I live in a hut. My strength comes in Christ Jesus. So therefore, this prosperity preacher, <laughs> as I've been accused of, says this. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you're in the most beautiful house in this neighborhood, or if you're in the, the most small shack in this town, if you have Christ Jesus, you are prospering in whatever circumstances. There are people in prison right now who have come to a true knowledge and understanding and relationship with Christ Jesus who are living in immaculate prosperity, being incarcerated compared to some of the folks who live in some of the nicest homes in this town. 
who don't have peace, who don't have contentment, who don't have joy. It doesn't, it's not about what you have. It's not about what you see. It's about what he says. And when you understand that, man, it doesn't matter what condition. You can go through some of the toughest times. You can go through some of the best times. It doesn't matter. You don't lack a thing. It's a beautiful place to be. I've only started learning to live in it over the last four years of my life. You know, it's called being a believer. We use that term, hey, are you a believer or not? And there's a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah, they don't really live like they, live, <laughs> like they believe the word of God. There's, there's a big difference in being a Christian and being a believer. A true believer believes the word. When you believe the word, you don't have to freak out. You don't feel like you need more. You understand there's no lack. You can reboot your brain, think differently, right? Now, how do I get there? Say, Pastor, I want to I wanna get there. I'm not there yet. Well, I got some good news, and I got some bad news. But the bad news is actually good news, believe it or not. It's only bad news when you think you're in the middle of it, but ultimately you realize it's really good news. And, and the one place I have found that can get you there is in the book of James. James chapter 1 Verses two through four, consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, when you are enveloped in or encounter trial. Wholly joyful, that means completely happy. Man, consider it just a completely happy thing. When you're what? Enveloped in, that means just contained in or encounter trials. You don't have to raise your hand because I know I've, 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 taken enough phone calls and prayed with enough of you this week. We got some families that are enveloped in or encountering trials. So according to old Pastor James up there, you need to get happy about that. <laughs> Say, how in the world? What in the world? And he said, not only that, or if you fall into various temptations, some of you who have struggled with various temptations and you're beating yourself up about it because you feel like I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not a good enough believer. I'm just, I'm a failure because I can't give victory over this. I keep, I'm dealing with these temptations. I don't want to be tempted by this. Well, you know what? Why don't you change your thoughts about it? Get happy about it. Consider it wholly joyful. Why? Because be assured and understand that that trial that you're going through is proving your faith. It's, it's basically teaching you because you're faced with, am I going to, am I going to be fearful and try to take matters in my own hand? Or am I just going to sit back and trust God's word? It's a test. It's the fight of faith and the testing of your faith or the proving of your faith. is going to bring about three things. It's going to bring about endurance. It's going to bring about steadfastness. It's going to be about patience. Someone said, don't pray for patience because God's going to send someone. Well, guess what? You're going to go through trials whether you pray for patience or not. So you might as well go ahead and pray for patience. <laughs> if I got to go through trials, whether I pray about it or not, I right, at least let me get patience out of it, God. <laughs> so so I, I want to refute that. Pray for patience because it's going to, all this mess you got to deal with, this craziness, all the trials, the ups and downs of life. It's going to test your faith. It's going to bring about endurance, steadfastness, and patience. 
Now let, let those boys, endurance and steadfastness and patience, have full play. Let it run its course and do a thorough work. It's going to do a thorough work in you. It's going to change you, right? Why? So that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking nothing. You want to get to a place that you know, that you know, that you know. Now, I can preach it to you and you can say, hey, I took good notes. So I know, God, you don't have to send anything to me. <laughs> don't put me through any trial because, hey, I, I, I'm just going to take Pastor Dave on his word, right? And, and I'm going to believe what you said and, and these. But here's, here's, the, here's the, the problem. I can get up here and talk about my gumbo and brag about my gumbo, right? And it's really not bragging if you can do it. That's what I always say, right? <laughs> if you can do it, it ain't bragging. So I can talk about my gumbo. I can even tell you what it tastes like. And you can take notes. And I can even tell you how to make it. You can take notes. And then you can go home and tell your neighbor, hey, my pastor talked about his gumbo. And it tastes like this, this, this. And this is how you make it. Say, well, have you ever tasted it? No, but I trust him. But you really don't know until you finally partake of the gumbo. Oh, now I see what he's talking about. Matter of fact, I'm going to make it for my family. But you know, for my family, I think, it, I think they're going to like it if I, you know, I'm going to hold the shrimp. We got a, you know, we got a, a seafood uh, allergy or, or I like chicken, so I'm going to put more chicken in it. Or, or I'm not really big on that filet, so I'm going to keep the filet out of it. I don't want it to look like swamp water. You know, but in other words, you can take it and you can learn to apply it to your life. You have to experience it really before you really know it. And that's really what's taking place here. I can tell you that you don't have any lack, but until you go through something and you let God prove to you, you really don't lack a thing. You really don't know it. Head knowledge is not the same as heart knowledge in the kingdom of God. Because you believe with your heart, not with your head. With the heart, one believes, and with the mouth, he confesses. The Bible says. So, if you are in the middle of one of these enveloped trials or great temptations, understand this. It may seem like you're on the verge of losing everything. Three and a half years ago, I, I honestly thought I lost everything. I didn't, I didn't lose anything. I lost a construct that I thought I had that really didn't exist. But I got to a point where the only thing I, I had was Christ. And that's when I realized that's the only thing I ever had all along. And the wonderful thing about that is having him, well, I had already had everything. I didn't lose him. I still had everything. And when I came to peace with that, I have Christ. I don't lack a thing. Matter of fact, I have everything I need to walk through this. I have everything I need. I realized I was in the furnace, but he was in the furnace with me. Just like the three Hebrew men. And, and I got to come out of the furnace 
and I didn't even smell like smoke. You know? Sometimes you have to let the seed fall to the ground and die, the Bible says. But out of that seed is not death. Beautiful life, big old tree grows. I just had to let a seed drop. And now some of y'all get to see the beautiful tree I get to live around that God has created in my life. I don't know what you're going through, but you're not about, you're not about to lose anything. You're actually about to come to a place that you realize you have nothing to lose because you don't lack anything. Everything you need, you will always have. No matter how your life changes, no matter how the construct, if you, if you have a wonderful job and you lose it and you have to take a lesser job. So, oh, I lost all, no, you haven't lost a thing. The job he's given you, no matter what, is going to provide for every need you have. Well, that means I'm going to have to sell my house and downsize. That's fine. Really, all you need is shelter. He'll provide it. And he'll make it a bigger blessing than what you thought. You know, no matter what circumstance you are in, in this present moment, you lack nothing. So sleep well. Be at peace. Breathe. Chasing whatever project God has brewing in you that you haven't even spoken out to anyone yet, don't lose any sleep over it. Because if God put it in there, if, you, if you're writing it through inspiration, which that word means in spirit. So if it's an inspired project, it came from him. That means it doesn't matter what any executive says, what any other place says, he will provide everything you need to manifest it, to get it out here, and to let it be a blessing to others. So don't lose sleep over another project ever. Everything you need is going to be taken care of. Amen. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I just kind of, the Lord showed a spotlight. Amen. Oz, I don't want you to fret over this coming chapter. Is all right? Am, am I embarrassing you? I don't mean to embarrass you. I, I, want, I want everyone to believe God for this because I'm proud of this young man. He's, he's going in the military. Which branch, remind me which branch you're going into. Going into the Air Force. And he's, he's already passed everything. And they said, man, you, you're a brilliant man. But they said, and I, I, and I told him, I said, I cannot identify with you on this because I've never had another human being say these words to me. Ever. And if anyone ever did, I'd probably hug and kiss him. They said, Oz, we just want you to go gain some weight. <laughs> <laughs> I prayed over him. I said, I'm going to pray my anointing on you because I can smell a cheeseburger and gain three pounds. So, but, but in all honesty, that was, this, that's a prayer of his. He, he's asking the Lord, help me gain weight. God, God knows what your body needs to, to bring you up to, to the weight that the Air Force wants you to be. And you're going to be a blessing to the Air Force. It's going to be a blessing to you. And uh, thank you for being willing to serve our, our country. Amen. So. So, Grandma, you keep buying, Grandma, you keep buying those breakfast burritos, but feed them to us. Don't worry about bringing them to us. Give them to us. <laughs> Amen. But don't lose any sleep. 
God's got everything you need. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. Father, I, I thank you for this flock. I thank you because they're your beautiful sheep. And thank you for the honor of co-laboring with you. Lord, thank you because you provide everything. There's not one thing we need at this moment. We have everything we need right now. And Lord, I thank you for tomorrow. Even though you said, don't worry about tomorrow. Just concentrate on today. But when tomorrow becomes right now, you're going to have everything I need. I, I praise you for it. So Lord, I pray that we reboot our minds, get out of the rat race of gain, and live in the land of no lack. And Father, when you do bless us with gain, thank you. Because not only are we blessed, but we can be such a blessing to others. And we thank you so much for it. Thank you for meeting every need that's represented in this house. We just trust you. And we bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one more song uh, as a family. If you need prayer, I'll be hanging out over there. I'd be honored to pray with you. Or, you know, everyone else in here is anointed too. You can just grab your neighbor and say, hey, pray with me and agree with me on this. Amen. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of appreciation one more time before we sing?